Uh, we are uh, about to enter, this is a really sacred time for our church, uh, two weeks of prayer and fasting. You can get excited about the couple of people in the front are like, yeah, fasting. Everyone else is like, no. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, this is the first time we're doing this, though, in the fall. We often do this uh, just in the beginning of the year. And uh, taking two weeks, we're going to now, this is our new rhythm. We're going to take two weeks from January 1st to 14, and we're going to take two weeks before the fall because we realize for the church and really for most of our culture, the, the, uh, the, the year starts, you know, the Tuesday after Labor Day, right? Like everyone's kind of snapping back to work. School is starting, whether you're a student, you have kids who are in school. Even those of you, most of you, you know, right, who work all year round, you do work during the summer, but like the office is a little empty. There's no big initiatives from corporate, right? Things just tend to die out. If you're an artist, you're like, well, you know, it's summer. Like you're at the beach, I'll paint at the beach. Right. You know, everything just kind of slows down. And so we want to, as we go into a new ministry year, as our leaders retreat together, as we uh, get ready for uh, our all, you know, all church gathering that we'll do at the end of October, a big vision night for the year, things like that, that we're going to kind of uh, are, are ready to start things or go deeper into things that have been happening. Um, we want to make sure that we aren't a church that prays in response to just bad stuff happening. Like a sort of like, well, last straw, well, we better pray because we need some help. We want prayer to be our first response, never our last resort. Never our last resort. Our prayer should be the first. So we go, hey, there's a lot of things coming. We could plan all we want and launch new things and tweak things and go deeper in these things and try better at this stuff. We can do all that stuff. And if God's not in it, right, what? You guys ever do that when someone like, like road rage incident? New trick. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Bondrew taught me this one. Don't, don't yell. Don't beep your horn. Don't flick them off. Someone cuts you off. This is just pro tip right here. Go like this. It's just shame. Shame. I don't know if that's holy or not. Um, that's good. It's just what it is. Uh, we want to be a church, right, that, that is, is, uh, is not doing a bunch of stuff that we're, God hasn't invited us to do in the first place. So we were asking every person who's a part of this church, who's a partner, who's a leader, who regularly attends, um, go to this page, go to, go to our website, sanctuaryri.org. You'll see a page on there that says First Seek. There's information about fasting, helpful fasting. There's going to be some prayer initiatives that are going to come out every day. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You'll see every day. They'll be posted on that site too. Um, but you'll see every day a new focus of things that we're praying for. There'll be a few times, for those of you that are very social media savvy, we're going to do like a midday kind of like live stream Instagram thing of just inviting you, if that's like a good just marker before you sit down and do your, have your lunch break, uh, to just join uh, me or Sarah or Jason, other folks in the office, and we're just going to pray. Uh, you can pray with us as we pray. Uh, so we just want to make sure we have two weeks where we are focused in on praying over our church and our city uh, and that we are asking questions not just of our whole community but the culture of our heart. So we wanted to spend, we wanted to kind of just put a mini teaching series on top of that. 
So we wanted to talk about what it means, this phrase, first seek, right? It's just a, a twisting of seek first that Jesus says. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Before anything else, do that. Before anything else, seek the kingdom of God. Before you do anything else, seek first. What does that mean? And here's the line that we want to actually drill down into, because we've talked about that. A quick definition before we start. When we say the kingdom of God, a reminder of those who are brand new to the Bible, brand new to Scripture, this is like the, wherever the rule and reign of God, right, is, is fully happening. So another way to say this would be like wherever, it's a cutesy way to remember it, it's the dome, dumb, kingdom, in which God, where God is king. Wherever that space is, where everything is in its right place, to quote the prophet Tom York, where everything is in its right place, where the lion's laying down with the lamb, where justice is being had, where people are walking in the law and precepts of God. It's what we say all the time, what every person in the entire universe longs for, even if they don't know it, deny everything to do with God. People want utopia. People want things right. We have an ache. Every single human being in this entire world, that's a bold statement, but has an ache for things to be right. And as followers of Jesus, we're saying, actually, yeah, me too. And it's where everyone is living in accordance with the beauty and love and grace of God. It's when people are responding to the grace of God. This is where God's kingdom. So he says, seek first my way. Seek first the things of God. Seek first the grace and mercy and love and law of the Lord. And then he says this, and everything will be added unto you. That's what I want to talk about today. And everything will be... He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things, what's he talking about, will be added unto you. All, all of these things will be yours. What are all those things? And what does seeking first the kingdom, right? For many of you who've been a part of this church, you're like, yeah, I can't wait to pray. We had our prayer team get together, do a little training this morning. Like, like we, we want to we just dig in. We're doing heart next Sunday night. Come and uh, worship and prayer time, seeking God for revival. These have been some of the deepest moments and places in our church. So some of us are like ready to go out there, serve, pray, go. God, what are you doing? Today, though, I want to talk a little bit about what that movement, seeking first all the things of God, the goodness and beauty of God, what that has for us in our heart. What, is, what, what begins to, to be affected when we do that? So here's our passage. It's a little long. And so I want to ask, if you have a Bible, would you turn uh, Matthew 6, 24, and just, we're literally going to stay there and just walk through it. Just walk right through it. And I'm going to just pull out some key pieces, and hopefully this will help orient our hearts for this season. You guys ready? You with me? Yeah? As much as you can be. I know it's hot. It's August. It's brutal. But we can, be, we can be in this, right? All right. Like, stop talking about Andrew, just preach. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the others. There can't be two kings of your heart. You cannot serve both, say it with me, God and money. Some of you who have never opened the Bible before, you know this verse. It's like in there somewhere and like the cultural milieu. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, whenever we see a therefore, what do we ask? What's it? <laughs> Good job. 
to the Corinthians. Big Bible study together. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is life not more than food? I want you to circle more than, highlight it in your phone, write it down, write it on your arm. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you bring a single hour to your life? Would you circle or write down single hour if you're taking notes? Single hour. Write down more than, write down a single hour. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, Solomon was a revered king in Jewish history. Not, not the greatest of all, the swankiest of all kings. Not even he was dressed in splendor like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, he, how, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Write down the words run after. Circle, bold face, underline, run after. Your heavenly Father knows, write the word knows down. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. More than, that was our first word. More than. Is life not more than eating, drinking? Is life not more than the pursuit of things, Jesus is saying, outside the kingdom of God? It's a statement about what? It's a statement about what's important. It's a statement about what's important. I've mentioned this before, but I did it again last night um, just to uh, see if there had been any improvement. Anyone ever uh, uh, looked at a death clock before? Anybody? Death clock? Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Probably not, because uh, you're not as weird as I am. Uh, it was an app I found years ago, and basically what you do is you plug in all of your health information, and then it counts down. It counts down. Uh, to when you're going to die. It makes the best estimate. Super, super awesome. Uh, There's actually a new app that links up with um, Apple Health stuff that just got released called Deadline. And uh, I don't think the the slide works. It's a picture of a bird. Is that on there? I think the slide got a little messed up. But basically, the app is a crow. A black crow. Come on, it's pretty good. No? No? That was pretty good. Anyway, so the deadline app is something that you put the information in. How much do you, like, what do you eat, your health? Um, Like, how much do you uh, run? Uh, You can go real deep, like, if it actually measures, like, some of you who use Apple Health stuff, it measures all your health stuff. And then basically it calculates a number. Uh, I am apparently, as of last night, I don't know how honest I was, but I'm going to be 98 years old when I die. It's pretty good. People are like, good job, Andrew. I wish it was sooner. Um, I hope none of you said that. 98 years old. 
There's something about these death clock things or the deadline. I just found it fascinating that it moved from like weird, like fringe app to now like it's integration with Apple. There's an integration with Apple that like you actually um, will know when you're going to, to, to die. Like, like, like the, this is somehow some motivating thing. Now obviously these algorithms are, are a bit foolish at the end of the day, but man, that's super interesting that this, people have picked up like, this is a really motivating thing. The psalmist says this, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. That's what this is doing. Begin to number your days. Sometimes when we read the scripture, we run by for little phrases like more than. Or, or, or the next line, a single hour. In the Greek, this is literally a single hour. It's a cubic. He's using a, a measurement. So basically what's really um, now, how this would have been said in the colloquialism of the time is a single step. Can a single step be added to your life by focusing on all these things that don't matter? Is life not more than all this stuff that doesn't matter? You can't add a single step, not one more step. You can't get to 99 years old by worrying. In fact, there was actually a stress count on there. <laughs> I think would probably lower my number. The psalmist says, teach me to number my days. This is a theme throughout scripture, right? And, and this isn't maybe that foreign from our culture. This is the Latin carpe diem to a sense of like, be aware, be aware. Be aware that you're going to die. Have a healthy understanding. Number your days. Teach me, God, how to number my days and be aware of it. Because life, each step, Jesus is saying, each step matters. That life is more than the pursuit of these other things. I want to pause because what I just said is something that I'm betting that every person in this room goes, yes, of course. But if you are anything like me, you know this, you get this. But most folks, not all, shout out to my over 70 folks in the room. But most of us do not live with any sense of active fear or awareness that they're going to die. And so I think one exercise for us as we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, Jesus is drawing our attention to that you can seek a bunch of stuff that will not matter. And if you're numbering your days and desiring the life and a wisdom that is beautiful and profound and full and free of anxiety and full of love, you might want to start paying attention to the single steps and asking the question, where, where, do I, where, do my, where does my value system need to change? Because then Jesus goes on. He says the pagans run after these things. The pagans run after fashion and food blogs. Nothing against fashion and food blogs. I'm wearing white cons, the highest form of fashion that exists in the world. Nothing against the foodie culture. You guys know I love to eat. We could go down the line, right? These are just little representative things of things that we end up running after and building our life 
around. In fact, even more elevated things. We can seek first our nuclear family and not seek first the kingdom. We can seek first our children. We can seek first our career. And as we're going to see in a minute, none of this is about denying those things. And I'm not saying there's an equivalency to those things. Hear me, I'm not saying there's an equivalency. But I am saying if we don't get first things first, Jesus says, and the scriptures speak to, there are consequences when we don't get first things first. The other stuff actually loses and gets jacked up when we don't keep first things first. He says, look, the pagans run after this stuff. What are you running after? Just write that down. That's it, nothing super profound. What are you running after? What this week, this year, just because you agree with what I'm saying doesn't mean it's taking heart in your, in your taking any kind of um, root in your heart. I've learned this about my own sermons. I write sermons. That's one of the things I do for a living. And I can write a sermon, feel convicted about it in the moment, and then walk away from it. So I'm just assuming that it's easy for us to go, yes, of course, don't run after that stuff. I agree. Amen. No, no, no. no. How are you doing with that? I'm going to keep doing this throughout the sermon, just pausing. What are you running after? What are you running after that's not good? Running takes so much energy. And when you're running after something, you often aren't looking at anything else. I ran track in high school. The most, like, the most stressful, intense moment that I, I think in sports in general is at the, the starting line of a sprint. Some of you may disagree. I've played soccer and basketball most of my life. There's all sorts of pressurized moments in those games. Maybe outside of shooting, kicking, a penalty kick in soccer. That moment where you are like down, hands down, butt up, and you're waiting for the gun to go off at that exact moment. Oh, my I, there's about a million thoughts running through my mind. So much distraction. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't jump the gun. I gotta make sure I like, right? You're supposed to like, I gotta come up a little bit. I wanna make sure I'm running straight. I don't wanna, if I jump, right? The gun, this is bad. I can't do that. But if I'm not right on top of it, the guy right next to me is gonna win because we're talking point seconds. But then all of a sudden, when it's like, you see the flag go up and then you hear the, and you're going, there's like nothing else. I don't know if any other place in my life where I am so focused as I was, I still remember this, and this was like high school. I remember like the, there is nothing else but the finish line. I'm not looking at you. I'm not like anything. I'm not thinking about mom. I'm not thinking about my girlfriend. It's just finish line. Like you just go robot. When you're running after something, when you're running after something, and I think specifically in life, we don't realize the tunnel vision that begins to develop. And so we don't take time to stop and ask, am I, is my laser focused on the wrong sorts of things? Paul, one of the writers in the New Testament, talks about, uh, he's, he's like kind of calling out a church and he has this great line. He says, um, you used to reason like a child. And he's sort of critiquing their engagement with God and being fed. Like, be like growing as a follower of Jesus. He says, you used to reason like a child. 
And that word reason there is essentially the word estimate. Like you used to estimate, like stop estimating like a child. Like, like, like be aware of what you're going after in your value system. If I sat Harper down, my three and a half, almost four-year-old daughter, and said, Harper, what do you need to live? What do you need just to survive? You know what she would say? Ice cream, tutus, cow. Right? Amen. She's estimating like a child. If I could be bold for a second, there are a lot of very big children in the church. Fully grown children because we're still running. We think we can walk the way of Jesus and pursue the same things that everybody else is. Yeah, Jesus is Lord, how great is our God. And yet everything else chases after the same things everyone else does. We estimate like children. We think, oh, what you need to survive, what you need to not be anxious, what you need to live such a flourishing and beautiful life. I know I will run after him, her, that like fad of the moment. That's what I will run. I will run after. That wasn't as helpful, so I got Kabbalah now. Maybe a little, I'm going to run after Kabbalah and yoga. I'm going to run after, like, this particular way of seeing the world. Here, I'm going to run after this pursuit. The amount of men and women I talked to recently who it's like there is nothing else but climbing their, like, their career ladder. Like, nothing else. There's nothing else but that. Man, there is a life. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful life for us. And we run after lesser loves. We run after lesser loves. We run after, we run after what? We run after what? The pagans, what are you running after? Are you in the right race? I feel Jesus being like, are you in the right race? Are you in the right fight? So verse 32 then, we move ahead. We get this line, look, stop worrying about this stuff. Life is more than this. And then our next word, our next phrase is God knows. I want to invite the band up. Take a little moment here. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. Take a moment Take a deep breath and ask. Like, what does it do to your heart to know or just begin to trust that, hey, hey, God knows, God knows what you actually need. I know you're chasing after X, Y, or Z. Maybe you don't even realize these things are fruitless things to chase after. Look, God God knows what you need. God knows what you need. What does that do to your heart? What does that do to your soul? Lord, I, I pray for us for a moment here. I ask, like, just right here in, like, the back half of my sermon. If 
that I'm, I'm trusting that you've already begun to reveal like some things that we're running after that aren't you. That aren't you and your kingdom. We're not seeking after the things of you and it's causing, we don't realize it is, but it's just causing us to live a lesser life. And I pray, Lord, that there are some folks right now um, that they would just encounter you as they begin to ask, could I trust that God just knows what I need and I don't have to worry about whatever it is. God, I'm running after this. And like, can I trust that you're going to take care of my needs? That you, Lord, dying on the cross, you've taken care of my greatest needs. I am found in you. I don't need to impress anybody. I don't need to impress anybody. I'm yours. I don't need, what else do I need? I don't need to fear death. I don't need to fear even the groanings of this world. Lord, because of what you've done, what if I were to trust, Lord, that you are Father? It says you've clothed the, the lilies of the field. You've taken care and fed the bird. Lord, that you, even in the midst of all of the ways we mess our world up, all of the ways we see poverty and pain around us, Lord, that that's not your way. And that even in that, you provide. There's so many people in this room I know who could testify to your provision in those moments of just being at their end and going, I'm gonna just, I gotta trust that you will give you what I, me what I need, my daily bread. What does it do to your mind and your soul that God knows what you need? So let's finish up here. What should, we run, what should you run after? We know the answer. The heart of the matter. What's the right fight? He says it's the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of Jesus. There are a few little parables Jesus says about this very thing. Are you in the right fight? Are you excited about the things of God? Are you, is this where your mind and soul are oriented? Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought the field. That's kind of like what, what's seeking first the kingdom of God. Like to be in the right fight is to like, I want nothing else. It's such a joy to chase after that. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Jesus gives us a little glimpse of what a culture of pursuit in our hearts looks like. The value of the possession is seen in the intensity of the pursuit. When we value the things of God, when we trust that's where the life is, these are like pictures of what it's like. And then we get this, right? If you do this, there's a blessing. When you're in the right fight, there's a promise of blessing. You won't need to worry about the other stuff. You won't need to worry. This is the, the gift, is that when your eyes are set on him, the other things find their proper place. And so it leads to this logical command, which is therefore do not worry about tomorrow. 
Therefore, if that's true, you can't serve God in money. Therefore, serve God. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Look at how God takes care of everything. Seek first. Seek first, master one, God. Don't serve money, serve God. Pursue that. And it's amazing how he says, then therefore, the blessing is all of this stuff, all of this boredom, all of this chasing after lesser loves begins to fade. And followers of Jesus, let's not be children, but keep asking ourselves, don't stop asking yourselves, journaling, going on that one five-minute walk at the end of the day, whatever you can take and get to go, God, where am I running after things that aren't you? Tomorrow's what people worry about. <laughs> Jesus is saying there's this relationship between your daily anxiety and the things that you value. Psalm 37, four says it. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. Matthew 19, 29 is a brutal one. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother, wife or children or field for the sake, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit the eternal life. There seems to be a blessing that comes from being where you're supposed to be. For those of you new to the scripture, right, he's saying, look, when those things take precedent, they will eat you alive. When anything other than God becomes your master, it will and can own you. And I just ask, if you're not already awake to that reality, trust me for a week and try to push back against things. That's what fasting in so many ways is. Push back against this stuff. Then you're like, oh man, I couldn't imagine not doing that for a week. Then it owns you and you're not free. And I wanna be free. I'm so tired of some of my sin. Anyone else tired of some of their sin? Like they're so tired that I get anxious about that still, that I'm still so controlled by what other people think. If I keep talking like this, I'm gonna start airing every one of my sins out to you and you don't need that. Man, I'm so tired of it. What am I running after? Oh, I'm running after this. God, help me see what I'm running after because I don't actually see it at all. And let me experience the great blessing that when I'm after you and you alone, everything will be added unto me. Food and clothing and all the, all, all the other stuff will find its proper place. When I am seeking God, I am a better husband. Can I just testify to that? When I'm seeking God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I am a better dad. I would like to testify to you that that is true in my life. Give it a try. When I seek first the things of God, let me testify to you for a moment that I am more generous with my stuff. I am less jealous. I am less caught up. I am more aware of how I spend my money and what I should be spending my money and time on. I am a blessing to people around me and not a curmudgeon. Curmudgeon, I ended with curmudgeon. Let me close with this. Look, 
your job is the relentless pursuit of who God made you to be and the call that he's put on your life. That's your job. And anything else you do is sin and you need to repent of it. Do you hear me on that? Do you hear that? Your job, first seek first the kingdom of God, the things of God. Get around people who are honest with you about your walk. Remember who you are and whose you are. Keep God before your mind. Practice living sacrificially. Have a game plan for your week of how you are going to seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be added unto you. There is a blessing that comes with obedience. There is a blessing that comes with obedience. Trying to explain to my daughter is one absolutely fruitless trying to explain. At least I have found to a toddler. You're probably a much better parent than I am. But trying to explain to my toddler, if you would just obey right now, you'd be so much happier. I get that angry sometimes. Anyone else? Just, if you listen to me, you wouldn't even be crying. You're doing this. Anyone having flashbacks to being four years old? No. (laughs) I just feel like that's what God's saying all the time. Stop. Stop. You're chasing. You think that's going to make you? No. Come to me, the Father who loves you, who is for you, who desires to spend time with you, who wants you to just rest in his presence and wants you to see the joy of life lived under the rule and reign of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will line up. It will line up in ways that you probably didn't expect. Jesus, I pray today I pray, I beg you, Lord, that we would be a church that runs after the right sorts of things. And that as we come to the communion table and end our time today, Lord, we would literally see ourselves like running up this center aisle. Like give us, I feel like that's our visual today. Like I see nothing else but God. I see nothing else but the bread and the cup. I see nothing else than Jesus' forgiveness and rescue of me and that that's where the beginning of life happens. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. It may not always be the happiest thing. God is interested in making us holy before he's interested in making us happy. It might be hard, there might be a difficult season, but when we have a little bit more faith, when we're a little more adult in our walk, when we're a little more trusting Oh, we begin to trust God more and more that there is power here at this table. Oh, Lord, you say everything. Seek first me. Everything will be added unto you. All of this is yours. The blessing of obedience, the joy of walking in love and its most pure and good and true sense. Give us a vision, I pray. Give, Give people a vision this morning in that. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Wake us from our sleep. Encourage us, Lord, as we come to the table. We thank you that we have been saved 
Lord, by sheer grace and that your body broken, represented in the bread and your blood poured out in the cup would be a reminder of this act of love and saving grace in our lives. In your name, we pray, amen.